Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Tis the season. We are creeping closer and closer to Christmas, and I must have landed on the nice list because I'm being delivered a brand new episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, I'm joined by Tommy. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas chaos. Fiero. Morning, Tommy. Ooh, I like that. I like that. What a what an introduction and what a segue into talking about what will be out without question our busiest weekend here in New Jersey in a very long time, Jay. Uh, we're doing our final three events of 2022 uh, this weekend. We have them all lined up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and it all kicks off tomorrow night at the Totowa PAL in Totowa, New Jersey, the home of ISPW, the ISPW Arena, Christmas Chaos 2. And the main event they've been feuding for months now, it will be for the ISPW heavyweight title. Bull James will defend the title against former champion Justin Carino with Maven in his corner. And the stipulation, Jay, a dog collar match. And the last time Bull was in a dog collar match, Jay, you were there at the show following 80s wrestling con. So, you know, Bull is an expert in these type of matches. So, I'm really looking forward to that tomorrow night. But there's a lot to look tomorrow night, Jay. Uh, the ISPW Tri-State Championship will de- be, uh, be defended in a ladder match. And the champion main event, Michael Mars, will defend the title. Again, check this out. Three of the hottest guys up here right now in the King of Rock, Rick Recon, GKM and TJ Epic all four will collide in a ladder match. The ISPW Tri-State Championship. Also, Vicious Vicky will defend the ISPW Women's Title against Tina San Antonio, two stars from the last match musical. You also see Crowbar, one of your favorites, Jay, going one-on-one with Hale Collins, one half of the now. Also, what I'm probably looking forward to the most tomorrow, Jay, the return of the winner, Andy Weinberg, makes his return to ISPW after six months tomorrow in Toto, New Jersey. He is going to host a live winner's circle with the superstar, Danny Morrison. Now, check this out, Jay. The winner wanted to come back in a big way, so he's bringing a nightmare before Christmas whale that's going to get spin tomorrow at ISW Christmas Chaos. And the will can only lean on two things, Jay. They're going to be Danny Morrison must retire or the winner will get his head shaved bald tomorrow at ISW Christmas Chaos. So what a, a way to return for him. Uh, a lot of action. Probably the most special part of the evening for me, though, Jay, will be being able to induct my best friend, Ace Darling, into the ISPW Hall of Fame, former five-time ISW World Champion, also probably the biggest independent wrestler of the 90s. Uh, That's all going to take place and much more tomorrow at ISPW Christmas Chaos. Tickets are available at the door. You get them now at ISPWWrestling.com. And Saturday at the Wrestling Collector, in Stockholm, New Jersey. It's going to be December to remember. We're doing an extreme day here at the shop, and it's going to be the Sandman, 
Mikey Whipwreck, Little Guido, and Danny Doring Morrison all here this Saturday at the Wrestling Collector in Stockholm, New Jersey from 12 to 3 p.m. And if you do not live in the area and can't get to the shop and you would like to uh, get an autographed picture, you can head over to the wrestlingcollector.com and place an order for uh, Saturday signing. And then Sunday day, ring in the holiday with ISPW. It will be an ISPW holiday Christmas party. It's going to be in Little Falls, New Jersey, which is really close to where our total building is. It's going to be at First Reformed Church Hall, 4 p.m. sharp. And uh, it's going to be buffet-style jumping jay. I, I know you wish you were here because we're going to have some good food. And we're also going to be doing our year-end awards. Uh, and also the fans are going to be able to interact with the wrestlers and hang out with them. And we're going to have karaoke. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's this Sunday, the ISW Ring in the Holiday Party. So busy weekend, Jay, as you can tell here in the great state of New Jersey. An incredibly busy weekend for you over there in New Jersey. But you're packing it full of a lot of fun, entertaining stuff. And I'm going to segue here because what else was packed full of a lot of fun, entertaining stuff was the golden era of wrestling when it comes to the tag team division, Tommy. You know, a lot of people view that golden era as the pinnacle of the tag team division, and every fan remembers teams like the British Bulldogs, the Hart Foundation, Demolition, the Road Wars, the Midnight Express. But what about the other teams, Tommy? What about the underrated teams of the era, the teams that seldom get mentioned in the greatest tag team conversation? That's our topic today, Tommy. Today we're going to talk all about the underrated, the forgotten, the not often mentioned tag teams, and it's a hot topic. And we got a caller on the line right now to kick off today's episode. It's an unknown caller from our Rolodex of numbers. So we're going to go to the line now and let's get this conversation started. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. We are talking underrated tag teams. Finally, Total with Tom has fucking come back to 80s wrestling. The with podcast. A new- with a new number, Tom. You're sliding in under the radar here. <laughs> a block number. A bl- well, a block you know, number. Tom, it is fitting that you make it, it is fitting you make your return today since ISW makes its return to your hometown tomorrow night. So to Tom, I know you'll be front and center. What uh before we get into uh the your tag team that you want to pick for underrated, uh what match are you looking forward to seeing most tomorrow night in Totowa Tom? The dog collar match, Bull James defending his uh, championship against Justin Carino. Um, I'm a big fan of the Bull. I, I've always thought, you know, thought that uh, he is the ISPW face, and I'm looking forward to that match most of all. Um, but I just want to mention that I don't know what's been going on the last few weeks. Um Dave Meltzer's been texting me saying, Total with Tom, what are you doing? You've got to call back. The, the ratings have been plummeting since I've been barred from 80s Wrestling Podcasts, if you recall. And, you know, I, you know what he told me the rating was for the one on Thanksgiving? 0. 0.0. <laughs> That's correct. We didn't have one on Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, Jumping Jay actually has seen Animal House recently, I guess. 
Yeah. Uh, Toto Tom, it does my my soul good to hear your voice, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, so anyway, Toto Tom is back on 80s Wrestling, the podcast, and let's talk about today's topic. Um, I thought that the most underrated tag team in the 80s, and I'm not just saying this because we're going to be seeing them next year at WrestleCon, but the Beverly Brothers, by far the most talented tag team I've ever seen in the WWF that never got a push or never got a belt put around their waists. You know what? That's a really good one, Tom. And actually, uh, I had another team in mind that I was saying as far as being grossly underrated. But, man, you might be right. And, and, and yeah, we just announced a couple of days ago that the Beverly Brothers will be at 80s Wrestling Con on May the 6th at the Men in Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. I was going to say, just keep down real quick, we're just, we're just going to conversation going. Uh, yeah, the first person that came to, came, came to my mind when we're thinking about underrated tag teams uh, would be Power and Glory, Hercules and Paul Roma. But uh, Tom brings up a really great point, the Beverly Brothers. Man. They're, right, they're right at the top. Well, I will tell you this. Um, uh, to- Tommy texted me to decide, you know, what are we going to do for this show's episode? And the reason I suggested underrated tag teams is because when you announced the Beverly Brothers, I sat back and I said, you know what? I have not heard their name brought up in a really long time, but they were a solid, solid tag team. And so that's one of the reasons why I threw this idea out for a topic of conversation. So I'm glad Total with Tom started the conversation off by mentioning them. I also want to bring up one more because I don't want to run the gamut, okay? But um, I'll leave that for Bobby the Brain, Brian the Brain. Or Brian Babyface. What's he go by these days? You guys don't know? All right. Babyface Brian. Babyface Brian. Babyface Brian. One more tag team. Um, the Orient Express, Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond. Very underrated. Um, had a super match at WrestleMania against the Rockers. Probably the best match, I think, on that card. Yeah, I was I'm, it's funny you said that time. I actually had them on my list as well, the Orient Express. It's extremely uh, underrated typing. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one, too. Hey, I'd like to just change gears for a second and um, get on a more serious note. So we've all heard the news in, within the last week about Barry Windham, um, you know, having uh, that setback with the uh, heart attack, and he's been, you know, in ICU. Uh, for about a week. Um, and I know, Tommy, you, 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 you have a platform here on 80s Wrestling Podcast. You also have other social media platforms. And I just want to just bring to everyone's attention that, you know, a lot of these wrestlers don't have medical insurance, and Barry Windham is one of them that, that doesn't. And I saw a GoFundMe page posted by, I think it was his uh, ex-tag team partner, Mike Rotundo, and I don't know if you've done it yet, Tommy, but if there's any way that you can, like, forward that information on your social media, it would probably go a long way in, you know, helping yeah, him man. pay for absolutely. his medical expenses. I'll, do, I'll, I'll make sure to do that today. You're, you're absolutely right. And I, and I do have the platform to do that. And I had Barry a couple times uh, in the past. I, he was at this past May's 80s Wrestling Con. I also did a virtual signing with him actually last December. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Tom, great point again. I, I will definitely uh, I'll share that to our 80s Wrestling Facebook page uh, later today and also our, our Twitter as well. 
So last week's episode was about wrestling conventions, and um, one of my moments last year, aside from meeting Jumping Jay, which really was a highlight for me at WrestleCon, um, my other highlight was actually going to pick up Barry Windham at the hotel. That's something that, you know, a bunch of us guys will do when we help out Tommy at the conventions. He'll send runners out to go pick up the wrestlers at the hotel and bring them back to the men in sports arena for the event. And, uh, you know, when I went to the hotel, Barry was, you know, the one that was assigned to me. And, uh, you know, I, and I drive a shitty Honda Civic, and, and I'm getting in the car with him, and I'm saying to myself, here I have a member of the Four Horsemen. <laughs> the best thing I have here for him is my Honda Civic. It was just an honor, you know, to be able to, you know, be in his presence, you know. And um, so he was definitely on my mind this week when I heard that news that uh, he suffered that heart attack. But anyway, um, you know, I won't take up any more time. I'm glad to be back on 80s Wrestling's podcast. I appreciate all the letters that came in asking for Total Atom to come back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there was going to be a riot tomorrow night at the ISPW Arena if Total Atom wasn't allowed to come back on the podcast. Well, listen, tomorrow is about the holidays. It's Christmas cast, so I'm glad there's going to be uh, no riot tomorrow. Just uh, a good night of professional wrestling action. Todd, we'll see you tomorrow. Total on the friend. You got it. All right, guys, take care. Yeah, man. All right, you too. It's good to hear his voice over the airwaves again, Tommy. Well, I mean, I, I still see him. He still comes into the uh, the wrestling collector and IHW, so I've, I've heard his voice over the last month, definitely. But, yeah, it's good to have him back on the show. It's good uh, to yeah, have real, him real back. Real quick, before we go to the next, before we go to the next caller, man, uh, that's two two teams that definitely uh, – deserves all the all, all that praise for being underrated, the Orient Express and the Beverly Brothers. Like I said, I had power and glory at the top of my list of things of underrated tie teams. Real quickly, I want to mention one more uh, before the calls come in I, I, and we don't get a chance to talk about it. Uh, another team I thought was very, 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 very underrated was the Young Stallions, uh, Jim Powers and Paul Roma. Uh, you go back and watch some of their stuff, man. They, uh, you know, they were really used – like really underneath, but as far as uh, being underrated, absolutely. And I know for you, Jay, well, it's probably going to be your favorite tag team in the world, uh, the only tag team uh, to ever main event a show in uh, Minnesota. I'm talking about Boris Zukov and Nikolai Volkov, collectively known as the Bolsheviks. You know, as I was making my list, I thought about adding them to it, but then I said, wait a minute, Jay, this is about underrated teams, and underrated teams don't main event St. Cloud, Minnesota, and so <laughs> they're on my list of maybe one of the greatest take teams of all time, uh, but you're right, you're, you're mentioning some great teams, Tommy, and the problem with the golden era of wrestling being packed with so much talent is there are teams that in any other era would have gotten a huge push, like the Young Stallions. There's no reasons why they wouldn't have been a huge fan favorite that could have been pushed to the top of the mountain. But when there's so much Hall of Fame caliber teams around in this era, there are teams, unfortunately, that just don't get that push and that opportunity to shine. And what I find interesting is when I was making my list, there was a number of teams that contained maybe one or maybe both members 
that went on to have very successful either singles careers or successful take teams with other partners. And so it's interesting to see where people ended up as time moved on. Um, and so I look forward to seeing where this conversation takes us. Up next is longtime friend of the show, longtime friend of Total Tom. We're talking about Babyface Brian. Brian, good morning, sir. Jumping Jay, Tommy, how are you guys doing? Babyface Brian, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well myself. We got uh, the Vikings, the Giants, and the 49ers all in the thick of the uh, playoff hunt. So all three of us have uh, money in the game uh, in the NFL. Right. And then, uh, and yeah, I haven't heard from you guys or talked to you guys in a month. So it's uh, four weeks. So it's nice to talk to you guys. It's nice to talk to you, man. And and, and talking about our teams being in the hunt, my freaking Giants at the tie. There's nothing more. There's nothing more hate more Jay than a tie. I mean, let's let them fucking play until there's a winner. Like I think looking at the standings and seeing, I'm sorry, I'm getting hot. I'm seeing, you know, the one at the end. Like, come on, this, what, 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 play until there's a winner. Listen, I, I 100% agree, and I am on the side of I would actually take a loss than take a tie. It just it just doesn't feel right when there's a tie at the end of a game. It doesn't. It feels if you feel unsettled. Exactly. It's sitting there all week. Uh, it's like a time limit draw. I mean, uh, back when they used to uh, uh, have, usually it was the baby face asking for five more minutes, and sometimes they would let it let it happen. They would do that. So, uh, anyway, as far as the uh, the topic today, uh, Barry Window, uh, I would uh, throw in his tag team partner Mike Rotundo. Just uh, there's two tag teams. There's more than two. There's uh, Wyndham and Rotundo as tag team champions. Adonis and Murdoch are a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas. Just some of these, you know, mid-80s, before it really got booming, that they just aren't talked about today. But all three of them tag team champions and all three of them uh, tremendous talent. Uh, Adonis and Murdoch kind of jump off the page for me. And then uh, I was wondering if you guys remember the uh, – the name of the Beverly brothers in AWA and that they got 89 uh, pro wrestling illustrated rookie of the year. Do you guys remember what they uh, were called before they were uh, called the Beverly brothers? Absolutely. I remember. Did you know, Jay? Well, yes, it was AWA. Yes, I remember it. Well, that's not what you answer. You're an AWA guy, but yes, I, I, I definitely know the name of them. The, you want me to say it or what do you two want to say it? You're the Minnesota guy. You should say it. All right. I, I remember them very fondly as the Destruction Crew. Yes. And they had the sledgehammers yes. before sure. Triple H. That's right. Sledgehammers. Need They'd my, have the bright need, vests need, on. Mean Mike Enos. Mean Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom. Yep. Nice, nice, nice stuff. Yeah, man, so yeah, we're going to be having them at 80s WrestleCon, Babyface Brian, on May 6th. We just announced it a couple of days ago, so I'm excited. They haven't really done much in the last several years as far as wrestling appearances go, so I'm looking forward to having them. Well, them and then another one, you guys, I believe I saw that you're having the Killer Bees. That's another team that I would say uh, doesn't get as much respect as they deserve. And they're, uh, uh, they're on my you know, they had a and, – and, you know, along with the Young Stallions, the two – uh, teams that were uh, the final survivors at the uh, tag team match of the first Survivor Series, Killer Bees and Young Stallions, both of those, both of those teams. So it's pretty cool that you'll have uh, B. Brian Blair and Jumpin' 
Jumpin' Jim to meet Jumpin' Jay, I hope. <laughs> That's I right. Hope, My uh, namesake will uh, be there. <laughs> yeah, at least you can look down at him so that if he does threaten gimmick infringement, <laughs> you can at least kind of man up and look down on him. <laughs> um, and then one more that I'll I'll say is that there's uh, Haku and Tama. Uh, that team, uh, both of those guys were uh, tremendous in the ring. Tama could do some stuff uh, that uh, at a very young age, just a really impressive guy in there, main eventing with uh, uh, Roddy Piper in 84 at some of the shows before he got into uh, 1986 with uh, with uh, Haku as part of a tag team. And uh, before he went with Roddy Piper in the movie uh, Body Slam was uh, Tonga Tom and Quick Rick Roberts, uh, the cinema tag team champions of the movie Body Slam at the end there. So, uh, By, by the way, Brian, today. I absolutely yes. loved that movie. I'm such a big fan of that movie. And I'm a big oh, fan of too. the Islanders, too. You're right. They, they should definitely – the Islanders and the Killer Bees, they both were on my list that you just mentioned. So, yeah, man, uh, definitely some really good calls there. Definitely. Fun stuff. Uh, and then uh, other than that, um, I, I don't know, did you guys get your uh, Christmas trees? What's the weather like in Minnesota and uh, and New Jersey this uh, right around now? Well, I will tell you, in uh, right Minnesota, here, it's cold, okay? We're hovering about maybe four or five degrees this morning, and we've got the white stuff on the ground already. It's a lot like Christmas in Minnesota. Do either of you go out and, and get your tree, or do you uh, buy them? We have Jay, don't answer. What? Don't answer. Are you ready for this? Okay. Don't answer it, Jay. Brother, you're getting uh, – Brian, you're getting a little personal yes. with these questions, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I, I, I just pre- I, we have a fake tree, uh, babyface Brian, just so you know. Well, that makes we, it a lot easier. Some Yes. We also have artificial at the at my house. We we actually we went uh, Monday and uh, drove to the snow and were not successful. It's a couple hours away, and then uh, went back Tuesday and were able to get one. And there was uh, quite a bit of snow, so uh, it was a, Jay, a fun Jay adventure wants, twice this year. Jay wants to know how much you paid for your Christmas tree. I well, actually because my, we my went more to the snow. My more pertinent question is, when you say it's unsuccessful, what does that mean? You trying to cut one down and it didn't fall? No, like when you're up in the mountains and it's uh, and you're trudging through the snow um, and it starts to get dark, pretty soon when you're not finding one that uh, meets the uh, requirements of uh, your, your girlfriend, you, you decide, let's come back tomorrow, uh, even though it's a couple-hour drive. Because we don't want to get, uh, we don't want to freeze and uh, die out here in the wilderness. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, just give me one second. So let, let me get this straight. You drove a couple hours to this location in the snow, and unsuccessfully got a tree. Listen, man, you're a great guy. You're a baby face, big baby face on this show. I'd rather PayPal you fifty bucks right now or Venmo you, and you can go to your local store and buy a tree. Because, brother, just the, the gas prices out there in California are $25 a gallon. And you're driving two hours uh, one way to get a tree? Let me Venmo you. That'll be well, my luckily the permit. I'll buy you guys a tree to put you through all that, all that hassle you're going through. 
Uh, we found it. It was uh, ten bucks for the permit, and uh, and plus the drive is nice. So it's it's not till you actually it, go it, off the road and up the trail it, that it, you're going through the snow. And luckily we have four wheel drive, it, so we got a, a it, huge, it was, gorgeous it tree. It was it was ten dollars for the permit and three hundred and seventy five dollars for the gas. Uh, yeah, if I figured it out, it was probably about uh, eighty ninety bucks for the gas. Would be my guess, but. Uh, but it was fun. We had a nice drive and uh, and uh, and fun out in the snow. It makes it memorable. So it's good stuff. Awesome. Well, listen, man, we appreciate you calling up and look forward to hearing from you next week. Definitely. Thanks again for and it's good, great to talk to you guys. And uh, go Vikings, go Giants, go Niners. We'll uh, we'll hopefully have a good football weekend for all three of us. That's right. We'll, we'll I dig it, man. Thank you so much. Up. Take care. Talk to you guys soon. All right. Baby face Brian. Just having a little, little, little holiday fun here, jumping Jay. The, the poor guy drove two hours one way uh, to get the tree, couldn't get it. Drove back two hours, went back again another two hours, and back again. That's a lot of gas. But that ten dollars permit was well worth but, it. Listen, man, if you are if you're a single guy out there, you better be taking notes. Babyface Brian knows. Ladies love the Christmas time. And he's getting his, his girlfriend oh, yeah. in the car alone with him for that two-and-a-half-hour drive. They make it all the way to the destination. And, oops, it, it, I guess tonight's not the night, baby. We better get a hotel room. We better try again when the sun <laughs> rises. He knew what he was doing. Babyface Brian. Brother. Yeah, that's what he's I'm no saying. Lo- he's now ravishing Brian. Listen, I would nominate Brian and his girlfriend as an underrated tag team if they're pulling off that kind of winter wonderland. Uh, excursion. But look, Tommy, the, the calls are stacking up. This is a hot topic. There's lots of teams that could be included in this very conversation. So we're going to keep the conversation rolling down uh, the road here. And we're next up is longtime friend of the show from your neck of the woods. Mr. Mike C is here to weigh in. Mike, good morning. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Tommy. Happy Christmas chaos to Eve, gentlemen. It's going to be a That's big right. one tomorrow night. Nice. Uh, What's up, brother? Yeah, and uh, going on record, I'm going to say it publicly, Rick Recon ends 2022 with gold around his waist tomorrow night. Calling it now. Bold predictions. I like it. Yes, uh, but uh, great topic this morning. I agree with you guys both. Uh, Really, really good topic. Uh, Brian actually called out one of the names that I had on my list also, uh, the Islanders, uh, very underrated great, uh, tag team, had a chance to meet them at last year's 80s Wrestling Con, um, had a chance to meet Haku at the Wrestling Collector as well. Um, just a really great tag team, really enjoyed their work. Uh, some of the oh, other yeah, absolutely. on the list, I can't, you know, some of them uh, have not been mentioned yet, a little surprising. Um, Going to call out Strike Force, tag team champions, uh, you know, Martel, AWA champion, Tito Santana, all-around great performer, um, you know, a very underrated tag team. And I think that their reign gets lost a little bit uh, in, in, in the reigns of some of the giants of the 80s, like the Hart Foundation and Demolition and the Colossal Connection. Um, but definitely don't sleep on Strike Force. I 100% agree with you, Mike. And – Here's I was going to say, Mike, I, I actually had them on my list as well. Uh, and, and right under there, uh, right under them, I'll do you guys another one, Jay. I had to hang on, Tom, Tommy. Hang on one second, Tommy. Before you go he, on to your next one. He's jumping the gun, Jay. 
Yeah, he's jumping the gun. We got to sit on strike force for just a little bit because it is such a good one to bring up. My question is, do you guys think strike force is not talked about? Because both members went on to have such memorable singles careers that it's kind of a footnote in both of their careers. You know, it's not like they stayed together and dominated. They had an awesome run, went their separate ways, and each of them had significant runs as singles. Do you think that hampers our memory of them as a tag team? Definitely. Uh, I'll go. I'll go first. Um, well, here, here's the thing you got to remember: both of these guys had an extremely successful career, singles career, before they teamed up together in the WWF. Remember, Rick Martel had a great run as the AWA World Champion, and then also, you know, Tito had a great run with the Intercontinental Title, and then they both got together, and, and then Rick found more success after that as the model, Rick Martel. So I think that all factors into why you're not thinking of these guys that much is that they were both big single stars before they teamed. And then after they teamed, I think Martel became a bigger star as the model than he was the AWA world champion. So I think like all that stuff combined. And then Tito switched his character to El Matador. So I think all that stuff combined uh, uh, blurries the vision on just exactly how good they were. But, man, I, their, their song was so catchy, Girls and Cars, I still sing it to this day. <laughs> well, How about that, you, Mike? Why do you, why do you think that's a team that doesn't get the props it properly deserves? Again, I kind of agree. You know, I think that, uh, you know, Rick Martel, uh, you know, had been in the business for a while, you know, single star, tag team star, and then went on to that, I think, memorable uh, moments as uh, – as the model and, you know, especially for some of us uh, fans that grew up in that era, you know, we, we remember having the Hasbro figure of Rick Martel in that hot pink uh, as the mm-hmm. model and Tito Santana as the matador. So I think that it's, I think that for some of the fans that, you know, on the younger side that they remember them more as the single stars uh, in the, you know, late 80 or in the early nineties um, more so than the tag team. Uh, I just, you know, every time I think about Strike Force, I just remember them coming down the aisle at WrestleMania Four to face Demolition, and you know the pop that they got, the music. You know, the crowd was definitely behind them. You know, they definitely looked the part uh, as a babyface tag team. Uh, so definitely, you know, happy to give them their due on this morning's show. Well, uh, but I did have a couple. Other, I did have a couple of other names. I know Tommy had just started to mention it, but they were on my list as well. As are their opponents from WrestleMania three. So let's go with all. Let's go with all four of them. We got the Can Am Connection and Bob Orton Jr. and Don Morocco. Uh, those two teams squared off at WrestleMania three, and uh, definitely would have loved to have seen what could have been. Um, you know, of the Orton Morocco tag team, had Orton not left the company shortly after, and also same thing with Can Am, uh, with Tom Zenk leaving the company shortly after. Yeah, that's a real, gosh, yeah, man. that's a real interesting one in my book. Yeah, I, I would say if Morocco and Orton were a team for a while, I mean, these two guys are both absolutely phenomenal. So they would have had a really, really awesome team. Obviously, they didn't get a chance to be together that long. Same thing with K&M Connection. Uh, they didn't have much time to be uh, together either. Uh, one team I want to throw at you guys real quick, just because I don't want it to escape my mind while I still have it in there. Uh, someone that I think that uh, 
uh, that gets overlooked a lot is the powers of pain. Good point. Yep, they're on my list, Tom. I, I 100% agree with you. This was a big, powerful, scary team, and I think they kind of get brushed aside as being a Legion of Doom Road Warriors knockoff or even a demolition ripoff, and so they don't get their just deserves as a team themselves. I It's challenging to find a stronger, scarier team in this era than the Powers of Pain. Absolutely. And I, I just uh, out of respect uh, to our friends up in Minnesota, two tag teams I will uh, call out before I let you guys jump. Uh, Got to call out Kurt Henning and Scott Hall. Uh, you know, great, great tag team of the AWA in the 80s that <laughs> went on to huge things. And also I think that we would be remiss if we were talking to AWA 80s tag teams to not uh, mention uh, Buddy Rose and Doug Summers. Uh, two guys that really helped put Janetti and Michaels on the map. Uh, so, uh, great topic this morning. A lot of, lot of fun reminiscing about 80s tag teams. And, uh, again, great way to get hyped up for what's going to be a great weekend in New Jersey. Uh, with Christmas Chaos 2 tomorrow night, I'm, I'm already ready to go for it. I'm going to have to calm down because it's not till tomorrow night. Saturday at the Wrestling Collector and Sunday – with the ISPW end-of-year awards. Uh, it was tough to actually – I will admit this to Tommy on air. It was actually tough to uh, do the votes for that. You know, a lot of, lot of second-guessing and hemming and hawing before I submitted my votes. So really looking forward to the weekend. And uh, just want to make sure that you guys stay safe and healthy uh, through this holiday season. And uh, look forward to seeing, uh, seeing everyone out in Totowa tomorrow night. Except for Toto Atom, who I'm hey, advocating hey, to be banned from the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, and Mike, I'll just say, real quick, some of these awards, the winners are going to be a little surprised with. It's interesting. Voting. I could definitely, see, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that there was some real noodle scratchers on there. So. All right, man. We'll see looking you tomorrow night at Christmas Chaos too. Christmas Chaos too. Have a great day, guys. <laughs> All right, you too, Mike. Thank you so much. All right, we are deep in this conversation, Tommy, and there are names being brought up that I did not even think about when I was putting my list together. And so it's good to hear some of these other names that you kind of – it just speaks got, to the topic. These are the teams that people I, don't talk about but should be. Can I, can I name one more before we get the next caller? Yeah, you, put, you put, put another one out there, and then we'll go on down the line here. Jacques and Raymond, the fabulous Rougeau brothers. Yep, they're on my list, man. For being, listen, you are one of these guys that understands 80s wrestling because when you put together your 80s wrestling cons, you bring some of the teams we're talking about to your convention so that fans can interact with them. And the Fabulous Rougeaus are one of those teams that, man, they were so good, so entertaining, but they're often overlooked when you talk about the teams that people remember. This is one of the teams that we all remember, but we're not talking about them nearly enough. Absolutely. All right, we're going to keep this conversation rolling by going back to the Wrestling Collector Slam line. Next on a list is a guy who I know is looking forward to greeting me this morning. It's Mr. New York Jets himself, Danny from Butler. Danny, what a game on Sunday. Yeah, you know, 
I, I take it with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, you guys, you know, played one good half. We played one good half. We just couldn't put the ball in the end zone, and we just couldn't take a game that the Vikings were pretty much begging us. To, you know, listen, I call it, I'll call Speed of Spade. You guys won. That's all that matters, and, you know, we move, uh, we move on to the next one. That's all, all we can do. Listen, the end of that game, I was nervous because you guys had the ball in scoring position way too often. And as our head coach said, we got lucky. We didn't really we didn't we played very ugly and we got lucky on that one. Listen, sometimes it's better be lucky than good. And you know that's it, it, it happens. That's, that's that's football so you can't you know, you don't win games and you know, kick your field goals instead of touchdowns. But, you know, we move on, you know, like I said, what could I ask for as a Jeff fan is playing meaningful uh, games in December and uh we have that's uh, right, brother. Goals, so uh we are just like I said, we are we best to stuff off and uh We'll go to Buffalo this weekend. We'll handle business. All right. Good deal, man. Today, the business is underrated tag teams, and I got a feeling you got a few names that maybe we haven't brought up yet. Uh, you know, like I said, there's, there's a lot of them that, that I was going to touch on that, you know, people got to book before me. You know, I'm surprised. You know, I wanted to, I was going to bring up uh, before uh, maybe face Brian, I was going to bring up the Islanders because mm-hmm. – you know, there was, like I said, such a, you know, the 80s, that era, you know, the 80s of the, you know, the tag team division, there was a, a treasure trove of of tag teams that, and, you know, there was so much that, you know, obviously it was very easy to get uh, lost in the shuffle. You know, the Islanders, you know, they had, a, like I said, they, they were they were baby faces, they were heels, you know, they're pretty much the ones that, uh, you know, that started uh, Strike Force, when, you know, they, you know, the whole uh, storyline, they, you know, knocked out. Tom Zanka of can Connection, and that's how Martel eventually joined up with uh, Tito. And then, you know, we'll forget the the feud they had with the Bulldogs when they uh, kidnapped Matilda, and that, that led to the WrestleMania 4 match. Um, you know, I'm going to bring up one that I don't think they brought, I, they brought up yet. I, you got you know, to mention the Twin Towers. Like I said, that was, uh, I think they were a very, very underrated team, you know, a team that could have easily you know, held the straps, you know, two big, you know, two mammoths, but, you know, two guys that definitely moved their way uh, around that ring, you know, obviously, who could forget the, you know, the main event uh, before mm-hmm. WrestleMania that uh, led to the the split of the mega powers, and, you know, they had, you know, good, uh, you know, good, they had good runs with, with demolition, and, um, you know, like I said, uh, the, you know, one-man gang slash Hakeem and the big boss, man, you know, two guys, for two big guys, super athletic and just tremendous uh, workers. And um, I have to mention, you know, I probably have to say maybe, you know, uh, I would say Doom maybe. You know, even though they were tag team champs in, uh, in the WCW, whatever you want to call it, NWA slash WCW, those, those two guys, you know, two, you know, a future, you know, a Hall of Famer, a champion and a guy that, uh, you know, Definitely could have been a, a world champion in, uh, in Bush Reed. Uh, you know, two monsters. You know, they just had that intimidating look, especially when they first uh, came in with the mask, and then you know, eventually, you know, unmasking themselves with the Steiners. You know, they had great matches with the Steiners, great matches with the Rock and Roll Express. Um, you know, they had few four horsemen. So, like I said, that's one team that probably gets a little, uh, you know, lost in the, sh- in the shuffle. Doom actually made my list here as I wrote it out before the show. I 100% agree with you, even though oh, they were a, 
they were a big deal for a moment. Now that the moment has passed, people don't talk about them and the impact they had and just how good of a team that was and how good of angles they had. And so Doom is right on my list. And I'm very – there's a big smile on my face when you brought up the Twin Towers because they're not on my list. But when you brought them up, they are part of my favorite program ever, and that's the lead-up to the split of the Mega Powers. And that main event match that you referenced is such a vivid memory in my mind. For that moment alone, I'm ashamed that I didn't put them on my list because you're right, uh, at least for that – blip in time they were the heel tag team uh that was helping push along the biggest program that the wwf had at the time which was that mega power split and so they probably don't get mentioned as much as they should either for the contributions they had as a tag team absolutely you know what I'm saying? like i said that was a you know that was a, a, for a few months where the, you know you had the, the brother love incident with uh you know this man Handcuffing uh, Hogan and, and beating him with the with the nightstick, and then you know went into into Survivor Series, and, you know obviously into Royal Rumble, and then it led up uh, to the the culmination at the main event. So that was a uh, you know one that definitely a, a under uh, you know appreciated team in in history. Uh, somebody mentioned you know I you know, I've, I was had the same the Canada connection too. Uh, I think they were probably in line to win you know to to get the belts from. The hearts, if uh, if Zink didn't decide to leave for whatever reason it is, um, you know whatever uh, issues he had uh, with uh, Martel or with the company, you know they, they, I think they were, you know, two tremendous, uh, you know, guys, good looks, uh, tremendous in-ring ability, and uh, you know, it, like I said, I, I thought they were super over with the fans, and like I said, just you know, you know, it didn't come to fruition, but it, it ended up working out for. For Rick, when he teamed up with uh, with Tito, those you know that, that they uh, definitely meshed up well. You're absolutely right. It's always interesting to see when a team splits up. What happens to each individual member? And as we said at the start of the show, there's a lot of teams that belong on in this conversation. And the reason they're in this conversation is because they went and did maybe bigger and better things after the team split. And I think this could be a case of that. Now, the Z-Man, Tommy, he, he had a good career in WCW when he went there, but he certainly didn't reach the level of stardom um, that perhaps he could have. But um, great, great to have part of this conversation, Danny. You're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it's nothing, like I said, uh, tag team wrestling in that area. You know, that's, that was, uh, like I said, I don't think there'll ever be uh, an era that could uh, – and you know the the type of without about the golden era of you know late you know mid eighties into the early nineties is a you know like I said that that's a you know those are glad to be part of that like I said I could probably go through so many more teams but. I'm gonna, you know, let some other callers uh, get in and, you know, put their two sets in. But uh, you, Tommy, Joe J, always a pleasure. Uh, you guys have a great weekend. You too, Danny. Thank you so much for calling in Good and man. playing in, and have a great uh, holiday season here, Tommy. This is a great conversation, man. I'm loving the names that are getting brought up. Uh, it's sparking a lot of things in my mind. I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch some uh, matches, including. Uh, some of the teams that we're talking about today. we got two callers that have been hanging out on holds. So we're going to get to those callers, uh, and we'll see yeah, yeah. what teams they bring up. 
Jay, one one more name. Let me uh, let me drop one more. Was it with two callers? I'll be near the end of the show. I just wanted to make mention of one more team that definitely should be in there as far as an underrated tag team goes, and that's Rex and Spot, the Moon Dogs. That's a very interesting name uh, to bring up in this conversation, Tommy, because you're right. Uh, for the time period where they were, uh, early '80s to mid '80s is when I when I remember them. Um, a unique tag team, something that we really didn't see too much of, and we haven't really seen too much of that style since. And I think the main thing I remember about the Moon Dogs, and I think it was Moon Dog Dog uh, Rex, was he not? Uh, was he the first Smash in Demolition? But he was too recognizable, so they had to switch him out. Correct. Correct. And so that's my, I guess my my factoid about that team, but you're right. When they would come down to the ring uh, looking like wild men, really with their hair and their dress and then chewing on those uh, oversized dog bones. I mean, they were, uh, yeah, like, like almost like a side, like they weren't the comic relief, but they were like a sideshow, which yeah, you couldn't take your eyes off them because they were men acting like dogs. And they were both very good workers also. Both very good workers as well. Tommy, I love your uh, – I'm trying to say they were wild <laughs> dogmen, and you're like, but Jay, they, they knew what they were doing once they got uh, between the ropes, and you're absolutely right. So thank you for setting me straight. Who's up next? Two, two callers next. Up next is an unknown number in our Rolodex of phone numbers. Maybe Total with Tom got a third number to call, then we'll find out. Caller, welcome to the show. What's your name and where are you calling from? My name is Brian. I'm calling from Long Island. How are you guys? Hey, Brian. What's going on, man? How are you? Tommy, you know me. I did some business with you over the weekend. You, uh, I bought some stuff off you over the phone. You've met me before. I'm the big oh, boss okay, man, great. Spanish card guy. How are you guys? How's oh, yeah. What's up, man? Hey, Good, brother. How are you? I uh, can't complain, man. I can't complain. So, uh, you know, listen, I was listening. Well, let, let, me, let, let me just say quick. Okay, I, I agree with you guys with the NFL and ties. I've all I've said forever they should do what they've uh, what baseball does. Just keep playing until somebody uh, somebody uh, scores. Okay, now I understand it's football; it's a more physical game. Okay, but coaches will work around that. Okay, they they'll work around their depth. You know, I hate ties as much as the next person. And I'm glad to hear that you guys, whether you're in the tri-state area, Minnesota, California, you get real trees. Real trees are the way to go. Unless you're allergic, you get a real tree. And if you don't chop, if you don't, a lot of people like to chop down their trees, which was what we used to do years ago. But if you don't do that, honestly, if, if you can, if your local fire department sells trees around you, get it off them because I'm a firefighter here in Island Park in Long Island. And um, all the money raised from that goes to the department, and it's, uh, it, it's a huge help. So, uh, you know, shop local when it comes to your Christmas trees. But anywho, let's talk about wrestling, my favorite thing to talk about, uh, the tag teams. Now, I'm going to touch on tag teams that haven't been mentioned yet. Okay, nobody's brought up the Fantastics. They're a very underrated team. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I got uh, Bobby Fulton and uh, oh God, what's his name? Talk about a senior moment. But they uh Bobby Rodgers. Thank you, thank you. They're, they're definitely on that list of tag teams that don't get enough credit. Um, somebody brought. I'm really glad somebody brought up Dick Murdoch and Adrian Adonis. Uh, they're um, they're one of the best tag teams I ever saw. Two guys that were so different and yet so similar. They had tremendous chemistry. You know, one guy born and raised, you know, in Texas wrestling. The other in Minnesota, and they had a tremendous pairing. It was like peanut butter and jelly with those two. And, and you know, when people think about Adrian Adonis, they think it a horrific, adorable gimmick. And that's sad because Adrian was a great wrestler who had two very good tag teams. Dick Murdoch, another underrated tag team, uh, with Jesse Ventura in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. That was a good tag team, and uh, I'll give you another minute. I kept. Uh, I'm very impressed with all the Minnesota tag teams uh, that have been mentioned: uh, Jim Brunzel and Greg Gagne. The high flyers. The high flyers, no question. They have to be up there, underrated tag teams. And let's think outside absolutely. the box for a second. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm glad you guys brought up the Killer Bees. Whatever thinks of Jim Brunzel, you think of the Killer Bees. He was, Jim Brunzel was huge in mm-hmm. uh, in uh, up there. So uh, with that in, in Minnesota, in the, in the mm-hmm. AWA territory. And um, let's just think outside the box for a second. You know, that horrifically short-lived tag team women's title in the 80s, which... You know, I wish uh, I wish the current women's tag team titles would have the same um, lifespan. Um, but uh, the Jumping Bomb Angels. Absolutely. I remember the, great, great oh, point. T- guys, but I remember the first time I saw them. And you knew. you. It's very rare you see somebody for the first time. And you know you're seeing something special. And unfortunately, you know, they just didn't have enough female tag teams at the time. And, I mean, who was it? Just them and the, gla- and the Glamour Girls. Glam- uh, Glamour Girls. Yeah, Paul I was going to say, yep, yep. I was, I was going to say you, you definitely have to mention the Glamour Girls, too, because them with Jimmy Hart was awesome. And, and I, know, I know what you're saying um, about seeing someone from the first time and just, like, knowing, like, you're in all of them. It's kind of like... How Jay acted the first time he walked into my store and, and, and saw me, so I, I get that feeling, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could all relate to that, Tommy, and and I'll say uh, one more. You know, we talk about, um, you know, the, the Beverly Brothers. Were talk- when I think of the Beverly Brothers, I think of them as the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Okay, but another rated tape. Now, listen, everybody knows the Bushwhackers, but the Sheep Herders. If you've never seen the Sheep Herders, try to find footage. It's two completely different tapes. And you can't help but wonder if the WWF treated, you know, them as, you know, not call them the Sheep Herders, but had them act the same way, you know, the same gimmick, same everything. Mm -hmm. Listen, Bushwhackers. Did, they did very well with the Bushwhackers. Bushwhackers were one I was of those say, teams. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say WWF is lucky. Uh, they did not do that sheep herders gimmick in the WWF 
because look back at you talk about underrated teams. Look at it. You got to put the Bushwhackers. Obviously, they they weren't uh, you know Dean Malenko and, and Eddie Guerrero as far as workers go. But you have to put them at the tippity top, and I have them circled, Jay. And I'm so happy you brought this up. As and I was a say this for the end of the show, as my most underrated tag team, and let me explain why. They are, in my opinion, the most underrated tag team because they generated tons and tons, tons of money for the WWF during that era. They were a they significant part. They were a significant part of the uh, golden era of the WWF and all the merchandise that they made on those guys, from the posters to the hats to the action figures. If you look, I'm looking at my store now. I'm walking around my store. I see several uh, Bushwhacker items right here. So they made a lot of money, and they were extremely popular. So when you look back on, you know, who were the greatest tag teams of the 80s, nine times out of ten, uh, the Bushwhackers won't even come up in the top ten. So that's why I think they are the most underrated because they were a huge part of that promotion and they generated a boatload of money for that company. Very good point, Tommy. And how many kids, <coughs> excuse me, were doing that walk? And how many kids got in trouble <laughs> walking in the hallways in school doing that walk? Doing the, you know, raising their arm up and down. Oh, yay! I mean, we, we weren't licking each other. We didn't go that far. But, um, but, hey, you, but know, uh, you know what was one of the cool... Real, real quick before you go, I'll tell you one of the coolest sure. moments for me as a promoter. Uh, I grew up as a kid, a huge, a huge Bushwhacker fan. So at this past sure. year's 80s wrestling con, we had ISPW at nighttime following the con, and we had an sure. 80s wrestling legends match with Bushwhacker Luke against the Brooklyn Brawler. Yes, they competed against each other in 2022. And at the beginning <laughs> of the match, when Luke first came out, he grabbed a bunch of kids and he did the bushwhacker walk around the ring. And one of those kids <laughs> was my daughter. So oh, I can nice. say that I can say not only did he, he wrestle for me, but my daughter got picked to, to walk around the ring room doing the bushwhacker march. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, hey man, thanks for calling for the first time. And uh, we look forward to you calling back in the future. Enjoy talking with you. Gentlemen, have a Merry Christmas. If I don't speak to you, let me just ask, what's the topic for next week? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do a, maybe we'll do a lot of guests on next week. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, as of right now, we don't have a topic picked, and so if Tommy can score us a guest, that's always uh, great. Hey, Brian, before we send you off for the day, as long as we're talking sure. about underrated, no matter sure. how much how much people praise and give credit to firefighters and first responders, you guys are truly underrated for your contributions to the communities across the country. So Brian, I just want to thank you for what you do each and every day. It makes a huge difference in the lives of others. Well, well, I appreciate that. That means a lot. And what I really thank you for is not using the H word because we are, listen, we are not heroes at all. Um, the people who uh, fight for us overseas, putting their lives on the line, they're the heroes. You know, the uh, the uh, the mothers who are raising their kids by themselves, on uh, they're the heroes. You know, um, we are not heroes, but I'm I I greatly appreciate the kind words 
and it's an honor, pleasure, and privilege to serve in the fire department. And I urge any uh, kid out there, go to your local fire departments, your volunteers, see if you can become a junior or get sworn, you can get sworn in at 18, and uh, it's one of the best things you'll ever do. So, uh, gentlemen, have a good one, and I'll hopefully talk to you guys next week, and have a Merry Christmas if I don't speak to you. You too, Brian. You too, Thank you so much. All right. Wow. Well, there you he, go. He's going to give, give Babyface Brian in California a run for the Babyface Brian of the show. <laughs> I, enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed talking to him. Hopefully he calls back. Yes, that was a fantastic call. And even though we're nearing the end of the show, we still got two numbers hanging on hold. And so we're going to go on to the next one. And I know this guy is going to bring some very good teams to our attention because he's from a country that is so much better than ours when it comes to tag team wrestling. We're talking about David from Canada. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Tommy. How you guys doing? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, You know what? It's funny. Uh, just got my thunder stole in there because my number one team, too, was the Sheep Herders. But I won't rehash that because, you know, I think you guys did a, a great job just talking about that. But I, I feel like some of the most underrated tag teams are also people who are, are quite famous and, like, never really, like, get their due. Like, I'm not going to go into great deal of this, but I honestly think Demolition is an underrated tag team because I don't feel they get the respect they deserve for how great they were. But the, the two teams I want to mention, um, first, I want to go with uh, Soul Patrol, Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas. Uh, again, right. I don't think they, they weren't. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, they, uh, the first black tag team champions in WWE, like, that's huge. Uh, and, you know, they were there for five months. But in that five months, I think anytime you, you, you change that, you change the business. And they were both great as, as individuals, too. So I, I have to give them the due. And then, uh, because I'm from Canada, I always have to mention the Canadian team. And I'm going to go with the, uh, the Rougeau brothers. You know, I think they're underrated as well. Um, you know, they had their their spot at, at WrestleMania 3. And I think, you know, they did that heel gimmick so well when they when they had the gimmick. You know, like the mocking, the you know, waving the little American flags and even their, you know, their their entrance music, right? All American boys when they come into the arena and it's, they're, you know, it's, part of it's in French. And, you know, I, I think it's, you know, those little details that sort of add to the story and add to the characters uh, that they had. So I want to I I put them on the list, too. Absolutely, man. And I'll tell you what, too, since, uh, I mean, they were probably my favorite, well, they were my favorite tag team growing up as a kid, uh, was the British Bulldogs. And although they did have a lot of success, they won the tag team titles WrestleMania 2. I tell the story about how I remember uh, watching it on closed circuit TV and I was crying when they won the titles. I was so excited. Um, yeah, they, they, they were a big team back then, but you could look back on the history of tag team wrestling and when you think of tag teams, you know, maybe the first five or six or seven or eight or maybe even the first ten, the British Bulldogs might not be in that conversation. So for that reason alone, I have to say that they're grossly underrated as far as uh, the, uh, the respect and Lydia that they should get. Does that make sense or no? Oh, no, for sure. And I think part of it, too, is because, you know, like you, you've talked about already, is how that a lot of time in a tag team, some, you know, when they break up, one person has, you know, more success 
or as a bigger career. And I think, you know, because um, Dynamite Kid's career was sort of cut short because of injury or, like, the full potential was never realized because of his injuries, whereas, you know, David Boy sure. Smith went on to make a much bigger name for himself and have, you know, greater feuds and, and things like that, right? You don't think of them. You know, you think of the British Bulldogs, but, you know, when you think of them, you think David Boy Smith before you think anything else. And and Dynamite Kid doesn't always get the due that he deserves. Absolutely. And for that, you, you bring up a great, great point. So for that reason alone, you have to put the British Bulldogs on that list. And, and real quickly, uh, I just want to throw this team out there too, is the team that they won the tag team titles from at WrestleMania 2. And I'm talking about Brutus, the Barber Beefcake, Greg the Hammer Valentine, the Dream Team. Now, I think that they are grossly overlooked and, and underrated as well because both guys, I mean, Greg was a, a major star before that anyway, but both of those guys went on and are more known and famous for being, I mean, Brutus went on to be Brutus the Barber who was one of the top baby faces in the company for years. But you look at those two guys as having great singles careers, and you don't really hear that much about the Dream Team. And I thought them with Johnny Galleon, uh, was a, a really, really, really grossly underrated tag team. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that, too. I would agree with that sentiment as well. They were um, a solid tag team, championship tag team. But, yeah, they came along in that early part of the 80s, and then when they split up is when they both really hit their stride as single stars. David, as long as we got you on hold, I'm going to dip my toe into the 90s for a second and just get your take on if you think – what you think of the Quebecers as far as how they're remembered in fans' eyes. Would you say that's a team from the 90s that's underrated, or do you think they get the appreciation that they deserve? No, I, I, I definitely don't think they get the, the appreciation they deserve either, right? I, I think, you know, I mean, look at, um, at uh, what now he's going, but like PCO, right? Like he's still going, right? And, um, you, you know, I, I feel like, Again, it's a gimmick that's sort of lost in the shuffle when you think about the 90s, right? But I think those two, as, as, as workers, were great, and they, they made something work together and, and, you know, had fun with it. And, and you could tell that when you watched the match. Guys, real and quickly, then, now that you just said the 90s, Jay, uh, a team just from that era, uh, but was also a tag team in the late 80s, that we're not mentioning. I'm embarrassed not to mention it because this should be right up there, very, very high on the list. Uh, an extremely fantastic tag team. And I'm talking about Samu 2, the Head Shrinkers. And they were the SST previously in the NWA, and that was late 90s. So, I mean, talk about an underrated team. Those guys were fucking fantastic. Yeah, that's Can I, yeah. too. Cannot argue with that. I even have I have the Wild Samoans on my list as well as a team uh, who doesn't get the props it deserves for their contributions in that time period. Yeah, and I think one of the other things may be that, you know, I think especially as, like, the we move into the mid-'90s and the 2000s is that the, the prevalence of tag team wrestling today, uh, you know, there are very few teams that – you know, really stand out as, like, tag team specialists. Like, obviously, you think of, like, FTR, you think of the Usos, right? Uh, you know, there's a few others. But the, how important tag team wrestling was, especially in the 80s and the early 90s, right? I think we've lost a little bit of that in, in, in modern-day wrestling. And I think because of that, 
you know, you maybe don't think as much of tag team wrestling and therefore some of the tag team legacy uh, might not, is not really, you know, in fans' minds as much as maybe it would be otherwise. Absolutely. Nope, I think you're absolutely right. And I don't know why the world of professional wrestling has kind of shied away from tag team divisions um, throughout the years. If it's because it takes more time on TV time to have four guys instead of two guys tell a story. I don't know. But, yeah, I really miss seeing the high-quality tag team competition that we were treated to uh, in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, totally. Agreed. I mean, like I said, like there's some there's some guys that are doing it and doing it well. Like, you know, I honestly feel like every match FTR does is a complete banger. But, you know, there's, there's not enough of that, right? And you look at WWE right now, like you have the Usos who are on one level, and then, like, where's, where's Team 2 or the next one, right? Like, it yep. all kind of seems like yep. there's this huge gap. And I'm going to go off of what you just said, uh, talking about, like, you have, you know, you have the Usos on one level underneath. I mean, obviously, the New Day, uh, they're, they're over. But, like, you look at the landscape of it, and, like, the Usos now, like they're, in my opinion, as a as a not only as a viewer but as a promoter, like I consider those guys top guys, like main event guys, and that's because that bloodline gimmick is so so freaking over, and you're gonna have to elevate some teams to get up to their level because these guys, they're main event level talents now. Not that they weren't before, but like they're really being showcased as that with Roman and and, and, and both of those guys in their own right are doing a fantastic job with that angle, especially Jay with his interaction with Sammy uh, Zane. So like you gotta, you gotta be able to get someone hot for these guys. I mean, and, and, and nothing against the new day. I think they're fantastic. And I know they've made a shitload of money for the WWE, but like how many times can we see the Usos against the new day? I feel like they've been wrestling each other for the last five, six years and, and they have been. So like they need to, get someone over as far as the babyface tag team goes because WWE might not showcase, you know, tag team wrestling the way they did the way we're talking about it with all the teams they had back then. But they have a situation on their hands now where they have a tag team that is main event over uh, and they're heels. So they got to do something. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how they navigate that dynamic because, like I said, it's not something they really push. Uh, but – you know, they're, they're not going to be able to do eight mans all the time, you know? No, for sure. And I think there, it'd be interesting to see, I, I think, too, with, you know, a couple of the contracts up next year in AEW, if any of those teams decide to decide to move, because I feel like that, that promotion has made tag team wrestling a bit more of a priority. Not as much as, again, the late 80s and ni- early 90s, but definitely more so than I would say the WWE does right now. Yeah, and I read something that I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I read something earlier this week or last week that FTR's contract expires sometime in the, the springtime or yeah, yeah sometime exactly. next year. I, I would, if I was a betting man, I would say I'd bet everything that they'll be back in WWE. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see because they're, they're, they're my favorite tag team uh, right now, but like head, heads over heels to anybody else. And their match last night they did was just unreal. Like, they're just, you know, they're the kind of people that just elevate, you know, anyone who's with them, right? Just They can bring, you know, there's, we talk about some of those guys, right? But there's just guys that, 
they're in a match, they they bring whoever they're with up to their level. Yeah, they're very, very good. So, anyway, guys, I know I think there's one more uh, caller on hold, so I'm going to I'm gonna take off. Uh, appreciate talking to you. Thanks for bringing the topic. Always a good one. And uh, Tommy and Jay, take care, and we'll talk to you when we talk to you. Sounds All good, right, David. Thanks. Thank you so much for checking in. Tommy, what a conversation we had today. Underrated tag teams, lots of names brought up. Great discussion today. Absolutely, man. I really enjoyed that. And, and there's probably, like I said, like me and you are so into uh, the WWF era from back then. Like we're not even probably thinking several of the tag teams that were in the NWA or the AWA back then. Like I just, at the end there, I said the SST, Sonoran SWAT team. But, I mean, there's, sure, there's just tons of others. I, it would take probably hours to have this conversation. Uh, another, another, you know, you said the early 1990s also. So like on my list for that, uh, when you said that, like high energy popped up into my head. Like they weren't, they were underneath high team, but they were pretty damn good. So I would say they were underrated. I mean, there's so many different discussions we can have. Uh, we never even mentioned the like, King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd, uh, as, you know, the Heenan family. I mean, damn, talk about they worked, you know, these main event programs with Hulk Hogan and his his partners, whether it be JYD or Andre the Giant. Like they weren't even brought up into the conversation either. So uh, there's a ton of guys uh, out there. So, yeah, man, it was a very, very interesting topic today. I really enjoyed it. As did I, and I know you've got a busy weekend ahead. I look forward to hearing all the updates from the ISPW show, from the signings at the store. Busy time of year, but fun time of year for you, Tommy. Oh, yeah, and once again, anyone out there that lives in the New Jersey area, come and support us this weekend again tomorrow night. Totowa, P-A-L, in Totowa, New Jersey, 7.30 p.m., ISPW Christmas Chaos 2. Saturday, the Wrestling Collector on Route 23 in Stockholm, New Jersey. ECW Day from 12 to 3 this Saturday. The Sandman, Mikey Whipwreck, Danny Doring, and Little Guido. And Sunday, join us in the ring of the holidays with us for our year-end award and buffet dinner. We're going to have karaoke. It's going to be a bunch of fun. It starts at 4 o'clock this Sunday at First Reformed Church Hall in Little Falls, New Jersey. And for information on all this stuff, you can head over to ISPWWrestling.com. Sounds good, Tom. I wish you a happy uh, and successful weekend. Like I said, I look forward to uh, hearing all about it next week. We'll be right back here next Thursday for another episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Topic to be determined. Topic will be a, I'm going to go on the limb and say, a son or daughter of a famous wrestler that is no longer with us. We'll have, uh, we had such a good time doing that with Travis Orndorff a few weeks back. I know you really enjoyed that episode, Jason. I think I'm going to try and deliver another one uh, for next week right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Sounds good. All right. Until then, I'm Jumpin' Jay. He is Tommy, Father Christmas Chaos Fiero. And we'll catch you right here next week on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.